On this episode of This Week in Linux, I'm still sick, and we've got some big news to talk about from GNOME, Apt, and Systemd. We've also got some new releases from Jellyfin, Media Server, Collabora Online, which is an online office suite, and a new release from Zorin OS. We're going to round out this episode with some Linux gaming news for playing Tetris and a new space shooter in your terminal. All that and much more coming up. I'm Michael Tunnell with Touch Digital and the Destination Linux Network, and this is your weekly source for Linux the news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. You can get all this plus access to world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. DigitalOcean also has 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to stay up-to-date with the latest open-source software, languages, and frameworks. And these tutorials are not necessarily just, they're called cloud-agnostic because they work with whether you're using DigitalOcean or not, but it's also not even cloud-specific. You could use for, there's also tutorials that are desktop-related and can benefit you in many ways, not even just cloud. Uh, so there's really a lot of great tutorials on there. So check those out for sure. And uh, if you'd like to check out DigitalOcean, you can try it for free with two months credit for, with a $100 credit, in fact, by going to do.co slash DLN. Again, by going to do.co slash DLN, you're going to get $100 credit that you can use for two months for free. And all you got to do, again, is go to do.co slash DLN. And thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this week in Linux and the Destination Linux Network. A first in the show this week is GNOME 3.36. So GNOME 3.36 has not been released yet, but it will be very, very soon. And Arch Linux has already beat them to the punch and has released it for their stable repositories. Well, stable repositories. And this has a, a lot of performance improvements for the latest version of 3.36, including some many user experience improvements. So performance-wise, they have, they've said that it's much, much faster and has more responsiveness overall for the user, which is great. And also there's a lot of new interface or user experience changes, such as new improved GNOME shell theme. They've also improved the notification and calendar tray so that the calendar weather and world clock widgets show up in a more a ni much nicer, uh, better use of the available space. Uh, they also have improved, added a, a do not disturb toggle for the notifications inside of that notification ca slash calendar tray. That's a lot to say for Y'all should name that a better name. Anyway, and this particular tray has uh, an improved uh, options for disabling the no notifications when you do the do not disturb because it allows you to, for example, if you're making a podcast, not be disturbed with notifications while you're doing the recording, which is really cool. But they do give exceptions to urgent alerts like your battery is running out of, you know, it's running on empty or whatever. So you can make sure that your computer doesn't crash, which is really nice to have. Uh, so that's a good exception to have. I don't know if all of these different toggles have exceptions, but they should, and that's a very good one to have. Uh, they also have system font settings improvements because in ver versions 3.34 and earlier, it was not really easy to change the GNOME shell font. Uh, and it wasn't impossible, but it wasn't easy, or it took more effort than it probably should. But in the latest version, it's a lot easier because the GNOME.336 respects the interface font setting. So this means you can change the GNOME shell font exactly where you can change the rest of the fonts inside of the GNOME Tweaks app. 
Uh, they've also made it an, an, a very big improvement. I think it's probably the biggest improvement overall for 3.36, and that is the extensions app. Because the extensions app makes it easier to install, update, uh, ma manage settings, and all that kind of stuff for extensions. So you're able to... So basically, here's how it worked in the past. Like the first few versions of GNOME, you were only able to install extensions via Firefox once you had a extension uh, Firefox add-on installed, which is like an integration thing. And then you could do it, but you couldn't use Chrome or whatever. They also have the GNOME Tweaks tool that allows you to install applications or extensions, but then they remove the ability for that to be able to do it. And then they add the GNOME Software Store had the ability to do it, but you couldn't like preview things or modify things in those settings. It, it was kind of weird, at least for my experience and my, and my opinion. And they have now introduced this new extensions app, which allows you to enable and disable extensions that you install from the extensions.gnome.org website or ego. I like just calling it ego. They also have uh, it made it possible to install and apply extension updates via this app, as well as provide easier access to the extension settings for various different extensions so you can manage them from all in one application, which is good. And I also kind of give them a hard time for this because it took them 10 years to finally make a possibility to do this. And GNOME also talks about how extensions are like, you know, designed by default to be used as like a main focus. That's why when they remove a feature, they're always like, hey, you can use an extension to do that. And it's like, that's good, but why is it so painful to use and find these extensions? So it's now nice that they have consolidated it all into one application, and I applaud them for that. It just shouldn't have taken 10 years to do it. Moving on. Uh, they've added an update to their lock screen, which is really nice because it still works basically in the same way as it did, but it used to have a integrate in like this weird separate screen system for the lock screen and the part that shows you like the weather and date and time and that kind of stuff, mostly date and time. But you know, when you, when you moved away the shield screen, it would allow you to put the password in. Now they're making it so that it's all in one screen, which consolidates you know, the experience and makes it easier to use. And they've also improved the GNOME shell dialogues so that they look better and are more consistent, as well as adds password peaking so you can see what you're typing if you want as you're typing. So for people who would like to do that, you can, but by default, the you know passwords are just showing the asterisks. So in case you know someone's watching you or whatever, you're doing a screen recording. Better to not show the password. But if you want to use the password or see it while you're typing it, you can do that now too. They've also done some updates to uh, some re the recommended software that they have. So for example, Shotwell has been replaced by GNOME Photos. No, GNOME Photos. GNOME Photos as the recommended app. As I'm sick, by the way, I'm not. I, I I'm pretty sure I said that in the intro. But I'm still sick, so this ex this uh, error right here will be kept in because 20% of me doesn't want to edit. And Evolution replaced by Geary and Gnome Calendar. Rhythmbox replaced by Gnome Music. And it's interesting that they're replacing these things because I didn't expect these things to ever be replaced, especially with these versions that don't seem to be providing all of the, all of the features that the other ones do. Uh, they're more of like the modern style and I thought they would have those as like a modern option versus having like all the features. But uh, it seems like they have been replacing the, you know, the, the ones that are the, you know, more, um, I don't know, 
the the more um, classic styles, I guess, with the newer modern versions, which is pretty interesting because those are nice applications, but they don't seem to have all the features that the other ones do. Like Geary and Gnome Calendar don't have all of the features that Evolution does, so it's just interesting that they're doing they're making this switch. However, it is worth noting that the distributions decide whether or not you know what applications are being shipped by default, so they may not agree with this recommendation. But for now, the GNOME recommendation is to use these newer, modern applications. So yeah, if you'd like to learn more about GNOME 3.36, I'll have a link to the release notes in the show notes as soon as they actually release it. Next in the show this week is Apt 2.0. Now this is an interesting topic because it is a rather confusing topic. So before we get to what is new with Apt, I first have to address which one I'm talking about. Because there's Apt which is the advanced package tool and that is the binary tool that allows you to use tool uh, management your manager packages on Linux specifically Debian Ubuntu based distributions and there's also the advanced package tool yep same name that is the infrastructure of doing package management on Debian and Ubuntu based distributions and then there's the different packages that use the term apt as the intro, like the main part of the name, like apt-get, apt-cache, and etc. So we're going to be talking about the binary tool that is named apt. See, Linux is not confusing. People say it's confusing, but sometimes they're right. Yeah. And in this case, they're probably definitely right. So apt the package tool, the advanced package tool, the binary specific tool that I'm referring to, has been updated to 2.0. And this update includes a lot of improvements for new features, new performance improvements, and has security improvements as well. So first of all, the security improvements, has they, they've made it so that HTTPS is now required in order to use auth.conf, which is great because it meant that you know it's possible not necessarily likely possible that somebody a malicious actor could have gotten credentials after redirecting from an http source uh, not likely but still possible and then there's also an improvements to performance they now use libgcrypt for hashing and they've also done uh, improvements to dec decompression so that it now uses backlog files instead of randomly assigning a worker which will improve the parallelization as well as overall performance. And they've also added many new features. First of all, they've added the ability for commands to accept the aptitude style patterns. Aptitude is another application that allows you to manage your packages on. Anyway, uh, also it makes it possible to control how it, how it waits for D package or DPKG locks. And this allows you to choose uh, indefinitely or wait to connect when connected to a TTY or for just like a certain amount of seconds. And what's really cool about this is not necessarily the having that option, but having the information about, you know, what is using the, uh, the lock if there already is something. So sometimes when you have a system and you have like, for example, your software store and you have your terminal application and you try to use both of them at the same time, it'll give you a notification saying that one of them is already using that permission so you can't have them both running. And in this case, they've, the newest version tells you what application currently has. The, it'll give you the name and the process ID of that, of that application 
or the process itself anyway, telling you which one currently has the lock so that you could disable or close that application and use the terminal instead or whatever. Uh, that's a really nice update. Uh, I'm not, I can't really tell off the top of my head any other package tools that tell you exactly. I know they all tell you something is using it, but I don't know if they tell you exactly. Uh, they've also added a new satisfy command, which is really good because it allows you to satisfy dependency strings as used in build depends, and it also handles conflicts. So you do apt satisfy, and then it will you put your application in, and it will also kind of tell you what the conflicts are, is like what is not working, and like it'll tell you what is what you need to have in order to satisfy the dependencies, which is fantastic. So I like that improvement. Uh, also, if there's a lot more pa uh, features and stuff uh, overall in the new release, and if you'd like to learn more about that, I'll have a link in the show notes to for apt 2.0 the binary tool. If you actually are not, if it's still confusing, which this video will not necessarily explain exactly, but uh, if you want to check out, I made a video about apt versus apt-get that you can find in the show notes or description that will explain like, you know, why you would use apt instead of apt-get and the difference between apt overall and apt pa binary package. Well, it, it explains a little bit of it. So find uh i'll have i'll go check out the show notes in the description i'll have a link to that video there so yeah up next in the show is everyone's favorite topic systemd so systemd 245 has been released and by the way this is a joke about for people who don't like systemd there's quite a few most of which is kind of like hyperbole propaganda stuff but there are some people who have legitimate complaints uh, as far as like they already have existing scripts and stuff like that. So th those cases I don't have a problem with, but there's a ton of hyperbole against this project just because of like, you know, ideology or whatever. But overall, I think systemd is pretty cool. And this latest version has added a new tool called systemd repart and also another component called user db. And this framework for user db allows for defining rich user and group records in a JSON format, which is pretty nice because it extends the classic passwd and group structures. And also the bigger one is probably the systemd-homed because systemd-homed, they describe it as a, new, a small new service that may be used to securely manage home directories with, with built-in encryption. So the complete user record data is unified with the home directory, thus making home directories naturally migratable. Its primary backend is based on Lux volumes, but FSCrypt or F yeah, FSCrypt, plain directories, and other storage schemes are also supported. This solves a couple of problems we saw with traditional ways to manage home directories, in particular when it comes to encryption. So the basically the the reason is because using Lux encryption and also having a home directory with encryption element kind of creates an issue where you would have to put in your password multiple times in order to unencrypt your uh, Lux volumes and also get into the home folder or into the system overall just to log in. And so it makes it possible to have your laptop have full or your home directory have full encrypted when suspended without any encryption keys in memory. So cold boot attacks won't work anymore because of this. Uh, it also makes encryption more convenient as it now has like the you first have to unlock your encrypted Lux drive with one password then using using then using for use another one for the login because with home D it allows you to use one password to do all of it so it, it makes it a you know a nicer experience overall so 
it's kind of interesting because there's a lot to talk about this particular topic and instead of going into like every single aspect of it I wanted to link you to a really interesting reddit thread where they discuss this uh, sub 200 ms user he talks about the value the benefits of it including like enab enables Linux to have extendable unified user records and he says this is the most important part in his opinion Besides stuff like uh, free DLDAP integration, it also ties together a lot of security and authentication work, so all keys can be found in a single JSON record or user record, and also makes it possible or much easier to make biometric scanners or YubiKeys or smart cards, etc., to work seamlessly for the end user, which is really good. And he also goes into a lot of other things. And then there's also some people who pointed out that it's much easier, much easier to have a long Lux password and a short user password because it'd be a pain every time to use sudo and use that big password. And then uh, also it's pointed out that HomeD is an optional tool, but not necessarily, you know, you can use it if you want to, but if you want to do that kind of separation, you can. So it's pretty interesting overall. And if you'd like to see more about this topic, I'll have a link to the uh, release notes for this systemd245, as well as the Reddit thread talking about this, because I found it very interesting and informative, the discussions they had on that thread. So if you'd like to learn more about this, I'll have links to both of those in the show notes below. Up next in the show is Jellyfin 10.5.0. So if you're not aware, Jellyfin is an open source media server and allows you to watch uh, movies, TV shows, uh, listen to music, uh, whatever, you know, just do a display, a slideshow of images, all kinds of stuff, whatever you have stored in your own system. Like, you know, if you made purchased DVDs and then made ripped versions of those DVDs, you could put those onto this media server. And it also integrates with Kodi Media Player, if you like to use that as well. And this is actually a fork of the MB server. So MB used to be an open source media server on its own, but they decided to become proprietary and therefore terrible. And when they closed it, it was forked. The last version of that was forked into Jellyfin. So this latest version of Jellyfin adds some new features such as support for ARM64 for Linux, compatibility TLS 1.3. They've actually improved the garbage collection on Docker, which allows for better memory usage when you're running Jellyfin inside of a Docker container. They've also improved hardware encoded uh, it for AMD, AMF hardware. So this is now available on Linux and Windows. They've added full hardware acceleration for Raspberry Pi's older, uh, you know, supported older models. And they've also added improvements to the DVD support, such as for better improvements for folders inside of the DVD compatibility. They've also added a new media provider for the movie database or the movie DB, because it's, they've actually improved this because they've added ability to have season images. So when you have like different TV shows, you can not only just have a single image for the show, but you can also have, you know, sub tiers with the season images, which is just nice. And they've also done a lot more improvements overall for the performance as well as features. And if you want to check out the latest version of Jellyfin, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Up next in the show is the housekeeping section. And hopefully I'll make this quick because I'm still sick. Now, I did not do that on purpose for the rhyming, although I'm not bothered by it because I like silly things like that. Anyway, I'm about 80% better from my sickness last week. I'm still sick though, unfortunately, and in this case, it is my throat that is sick. So making a show with a sore throat, not the easiest thing to do. But I'm 80% better, as I said, and I'm just going to blame the 
uh, lack of editing or whatnot on the 20% I'm still sick about. So, um, and if you'd like to take pity on me again and help me make this show, then consider becoming a patron of Tux Digital and This Week in Linux. So by becoming a patron of Tux Digital, you're automatically helping me make content on this show by directly helping finance the creation of this show and the content on the channel overall. And you also get special rewards like joining me for the new monthly patrons chat live stream, which is really cool because this is a thing where people can join uh, everybody on the Destination Linux network for a live stream patrons chat. Now it's patrons chat in the terms that only people who are patrons can join the stream and actually be a part of the stream in terms of the of the on-screen conversation, but anyone can come and watch the show through the live stream and chat there as well. So if you want to do the live stream, like the live chat will still be utilized, but if you want to be a part of the actual on-screen par- content, that requires you to be a patron. So if you'd like to do that, you can become a patron and get access to that uh, option. And also I'd like to thank the 78 patrons of Tux Digital that are helping me make this content and make this show. So thank you very, 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 very much. I appreciate it a ton. And I really can't express how much it means. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So also, I would like to let you know in the housekeeping section that Tux Digital and This Week in Linux are on Library. So Library describes itself as a secure, open, and community-run digital marketing place. So that's a nice, essentially a complicated way of saying a competitor to YouTube. It uses blockchain technology to power the platform, so that's pretty interesting for sure. And there's a lot of cool aspects of Library that I really like. In fact, I've contributed code to Library since implementing it for the channel, so you could say it's getting pretty serious. In fact, I would like to let you know if you're watching this housekeeping section and you just completely skip it, I'm giving you some special, uh, you know, no, a special, uh, I guess, thanks for watching the housekeeping section and let you know that in the next episode of Destination Linux, we'll be releasing this week, will be an interview with the CEO and founder of Library. So that is awesome. And you definitely want to check out that next episode of Destination Linux because it is a really fun interview, and he was really awesome to talk to. So check that out. And also be sure to check out the Destination Linux forum. So if you'd like to join the This Week in Linux community and the De- or the Destination Linux community, they're now all in one in a great place for the Destination Linux forum or the DLN forum. And on this forum, you can, get, you can talk about all the great content available on the network, share tips and tricks you found throughout your Linux journey, get help from a wide range of users, or just hang out with fellow Linux enthusiasts. The DLN forum is also a great way to interact with me because each episode of the show is posted on the forum and comments are not only welcomed, but encouraged. The best thing about the DLN forum is no matter what level you are, a beginner or a master sudoer, you'll enjoy part of being the forum because it's not just a discourse forum, it's also a community. And everyone is welcome to be a part of the community. Up next in the show is Collabora Online 4.2 has been released. So Collabora is the force behind LibreOffice in the cloud. They have announced today the availability of 4.2 version of Collabora Online. They say it's built on top of the long-term supported Collabora Office Suite 6.2, which is based on LibreOffice 6.2. It introduces a fresh new look, including redesigned icons, a new sidebar that makes it easier for users to change text, charts, tables, colors, and and several other settings in their documents. The new sidebar also allows users to quickly access rich chart functions. And the status bar has been redesigned including improvements to toolbars as well as online functions now offer copy and paste support for rich content in this new release. 
The cal component received a powerful function for powerful function wizards improving zooming and formatting dialogues. And they've also improved the writer's component. It say, say it's received better support for editing tables inside of text documents, as well as support for table of content, or TOCs. And it impressed version got support for transitions and slide layouts. And they've also done a lot of improvements for the collaborative editing, as well as improvements for support for Microsoft Office documents. So if you're interested in checking out Collabora Online, this is basically the LibreOffice in the cloud, and it's a really interesting approach to being able to use a collaborative uh, style of LibreOffice in the cloud. And yeah, if you'd like to learn more about that, I'll have a link to the latest release in the show notes below. Up next in the show is Zorn OS 15.2. Now this is not a very big release, this is just a maintenance update, but I want to talk about it because Zorn is doing some very interesting things. So Zorn OS 15.2 is the maintenance release for the overall Zorn OS 15, and this is based on Ubuntu LTS, which means they've got a lot of upgrades to the overall stack thanks to the work done on Ubuntu 1804.4 which introduces the Linux kernel 5.3 through the hardware enablement stack and the latest release of 15.2 Zorin implements that release update. And that means they're also gonna get support for AMD Navi GPUs, including the Radeon RX 5700, Intel 10th gen processors, and also newer MacBook and MacBook Pro keyboards and touchpad support. So lots of great improvements, uh, thanks to mostly the work done by the hardware analyst stack team on Ubuntu LTS, but really nice work from the Zorin team to implement it as well. And what's interesting is that if you're not aware, Zorin is, what I find interesting about Zorin anyway, is the fact that they have GNOME as the main interface that they use, but they massively change it to make it look like Windows. So it's just an overall interesting approach to using GNOME to not look anything like GNOME. And uh, I just like the idea of the uh, being, you know, being unique and innovative in that approach. So if you'd like to check out Zorin OS, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Next in the show is the gaming section. And these are two terminal games that I wanted to talk about because they're just fun and I like the fact that they're being made. So if you'd like to play Tetris in your terminal, you can do so by using the Tetris terminal clone written in Haskell by Sam Tay. This ha- I'll link to this in the show notes. But what's really cool about this is that it's available as uh, it's, it's, it's packaged for some distros specifically, but it's also available as a snap. So any distribution that supports snaps can play this pretty easily. And also they have this uh, tac level or dash dash level, and you can put the number of the level you want. So you can instead of playing from beginning to end, you can also just kind of jump ahead and play like the harder levels if you'd like to do that. And I like the fact that they gave that option. So if you'd like to play Tetris in your terminal, You'll find a link to this in the show notes below. Next in the show is another Linux game, and this is also a terminal-based game, and this is called Terminal Phase. It is a space shooter in the terminal. So this is really interesting, and they've also added a new feature that I thought was pretty cool that I want to talk about it, because I like the idea of having a terminal space shooter in any way, but they also added a new time travel feature, which allows you to have like, you know, time travel debugging thing where you hit T and you can go back and forth in time. So you can travel to, you know, you know, backtrack what you did and try to fix the mistake, that kind of thing. And the author also says that's pretty interesting. Uh, He says, the cool part is that I didn't change a single line of game code to make this possible. It just, I just added some code around the game loop that snapshotted the state as it currently existed and exposed it. 
So that's pretty cool. And he also said he's going to add power-ups and maybe even a boss over the next week or so for the next releases. So very, very cool. Uh, in order to use this, you'll also need Racket 7.3 installed, which is like a general pro programming uh, language. And also, if you're interested, this is based on GPL. Uh, so you can modify it if you'd like to and make improvements to the game if you'd like to do so. So Terminal Phase, Terminal Space Shooter is a pretty interesting game to check out. So if you'd like to play games in your terminal, then check out Terminal Phase in the show notes below. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the Tux Digital channel and This Week in Linux podcast, you, we have multiple ways to contribute. You can find it out going to tuxdigital.com slash contribute, where you'll find stuff for Patreon, sponsors, and PayPal, as well as many more. And in fact, the other things you can find there is the ability to order the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt. You can go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute or tuxdigital.com slash Linux Everywhere for direct access to that. And we also have ways to contribute without any cost to you by using our affiliate links. You can find links for places like Amazon, Humble Bundle, and many more by going to tuxdigital.com slash affiliates. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux as I'm a co-host of that show. And also be sure to check out the rest of the Destination Linux network by going to destinationlinux.network to find all the great content, including the other podcasts that I'm a part of, Hardware Addicts, which is really good because it's a podcast that I'm not that familiar with in terms of like the content. Uh, I'm not a hardware person. And it's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic for me because it's something I'm learning as I go while I'm being taught by, you know, an expert on the topic. So that's a pretty cool, pretty fun uh, podcast as well. So check that out by going to destinationlinux.network to find all the great content on the network, including the Nix for Everyone podcast, the Ask Noah show, and the D D DLN Extend podcast, as well as many, many more things. Again, thanks for watching. I'm Michael Tanel with Tux Digital and the Destination Linux Network. And as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux.